Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Thomas Avenue Ceramics, where decades of tile industry expertise meets the digital age so you can get the right tile for the job delivered right to your door. Just visit thomasavenueceramics.com YHL, where the code YHL20 will get you 20% off your next order. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're talking with Cassie from High Sugar Plum about how to be bolder with color at home. We're also sharing the stylish, quirky, and mysterious ways we celebrated my birthday. It was a good one, guys. Hello. Hi, guys. We have so much to tell you. So we stayed true to our commitment that we made to ourselves in episode 33 about trying new things. You know, we did that float tank. And because Sherry had seen them on the Housewives, we finally went and did an escape room. And it was the most fun I've had in my whole life. <laughs> okay, overstatement, but like number one moment from 2017 so far was the escape wow. room. It was so much fun. Wow, number the, one. The actual action of doing it. The looking back on it. I mean, that whole day. We'll get to what <laughs> The that... doing, the reminiscing, all the things. <laughs> it's Huga. You have to reminisce with friends. Okay. We got together with friends. An escape room is not Huga. <laughs> but this is what it is. Okay, for people who don't know what an escape room is, it's basically this puzzle-solving challenge that you do with a group of friends or family or coworkers. I think a lot of people do team-building things with it. The best way I can describe it is it wasn't scary. It was like being inside NCIS or being inside... Um, what's that one I love? Boom, 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 Law and boom. order? Yeah. It's not like that at all. Let's back up. Okay. <laughs> You're not solving a crime. You're not a special victims unit. So we went to this place in Richmond called Escape Room RVA. And basically you sign up for an hour in which you and a group of friends get to go into a room and your job is to solve a bunch of puzzles to get yourself out of the room. Someone thought it was going to be scary. Or like claustrophobic, like they lock you in a room and you can't get out. But the cool thing is when you get there, they're like, dude, the door is never locked. Yeah, you're not trapped in a room. Like this is not like buried underground in a coffin escape room. This is a comfortably sized room that is fairly well lit that you can go in and out of as you please through the door you came in. But there's another door that you're trying to escape through at the end that is locked. That's the one is like your your mission to escape within 60 minutes. Yes. We got in there. There's eight of us, four couples. Four of us had done one before and four of us hadn't. We were in the hadn'ts. And so we were saying when you get in there, it's very clear who's done one and who hasn't because the four who had done one just got to work. I mean, they walked in the room and they started picking things up, looking under things. We were kind of just like standing there. I remember I picked up this object that was on a table and looked under it and it said made in China and I was like that's not like, a is that clue. a clue <laughs> it was like the sticker there are sensors on objects one of the coolest parts was we unlocked this object from a locked tackle box and then it had a sensor on it and you had to figure out I mean no one's giving you directions you're just kind of left in this room to figure out what to do and we discovered that when you held the crown against certain Greek alphabet letters there was this crashing sound across the room and it was a picture frame on the wall, sliding open to reveal a cavity behind the wall where your next clue was. It was the most fun. I can't describe it as scary. It was like adrenaline. It's kind of like if you watch shows like The Amazing Race or even like Survivor or something where you have those puzzle challenge type things. It's like those, but 
25 of them happening at once and you're not sure how they're connected because no one has given you instructions. Like you might find a written clue that you have to decipher and that will somehow give you the combination to a lock. It might be a number lock or a letter lock. There were even these directional locks that I'd never used before where you push it back and forth different ways. Like all sorts of things that then just end up unlocking other clues and it's your job and the job of your team to figure out how they go together. And I will say we did require some hints from the people upstairs. Yeah, so I guess you're being monitored the whole time on cameras. I immediately forgot that they were watching me because I was so into it. John said the whole time he was doing things he wondered if they were sitting up there talking about how silly we were. I was acutely aware that when I was not figuring something out, I was like looking under things or just like touching random objects together (laughs) that they're kind of like, look at that dummy. Look (laughs) at that tall guy in the corner just like feeling the wall. Exactly. (laughs) So we got all three clues, but we got out with four minutes to spare. It's definitely better than not getting out at all, but the record, I think, was getting out in like 32 minutes. So taking 56 minutes was not necessarily like a huge victory. You know the people who got the record were like escape room varsity, and we were escape room JV. (laughs) Well, just like the float take thing, now that we've done it, I really, really want to do it again because I feel like I know better how to approach the problem of it. Like I know what to look for. I know I'm trying to solve a bunch of locks and look for the ways that things go together. Like one of the things that was really obvious when we walked into a room was there were a bunch of analog clocks in groupings around the wall. They all had different times on them and we never figured it out until finally after unlocking a couple more clues, we found a guide to semaphore, you know, those people who use flags like lifeguards to spell out words. And we realized that the hands of the clock indicated letters based on the semaphore language and those letters spelled out numbers that then went to one of the locks. Everything in there that seemed random had a purpose. Even the way that pictures were hung on the wall that I thought, like, who hung these? They don't even line up. That ended up being part of the clue to a directional lock. So, like, everything made sense. I wouldn't say everything because some things were definitely sort of distractions. Like a red herring? Well, there was this baby head. It sounds very creepy. It was like a pool ball, you know, like a stone ball that you play pool with. And I was carrying this baby head around for 15 minutes because the bottom of it was scooped out as if it would fit onto something. And so my whole goal was like, I know I'm going to slide the baby head onto something and it's going to solve a clue. Well, cut to like 40 minutes later, these gates opened. We were led into another room we didn't even know existed. And in that room, there was a baby on the wall without the head. And when you put the head on the baby, the door swung open to another space. And then we unlocked the exterior door to get out. The other thing is, guys, my escape room instincts, dead wrong all the time. Sherry gets very married to one object, let's say. (laughs) Like the baby head. And so at this other point I was holding a golf ball and I was obsessing over the golf ball. I was like, guys, we have to take the golf ball out. There's something with the golf ball. And like after 15 minutes over the loudspeaker, one of the guys just came on and was like, the golf ball is nothing. You don't need the golf ball. (laughs) (laughs) He was getting so frustrated with your dedication to it. He was like, I got to help this lady. It was so funny. Later, we were crying, laughing about him. He like was so compelled to get on the microphone. Two seconds later, you were like, what is this microphone for? He was like, ma'am, the microphone is nothing. He just... (laughs) And apparently, if you don't get out in time, at this place, at least, they take you through the clues to show you what you should have done. Which we all agreed at dinner was like, would have been very shameful. Would have been especially shameful. Right? Like, so embarrassing. I couldn't have even slept if we didn't get out because I would have been replaying in my head what I could have done better. Like, Like, I need more time. It was like the float tank. I left the float tank feeling like I did a bad job. What could I have done to do that better? This, I left at least with the satisfaction of, but we got out. 
So long story short, we highly recommend them for anyone who likes this kind of adrenaline puzzle solving group fun activity. It's not scary. It's not claustrophobic. The door's unlocked. Everyone I've talked to who seemed like they'd be scared of it, once I explained what it was, they were like, oh yeah, that's really fun. I love like watching a murder mystery or reading a mystery novel. It's not about murder though. (laughs) I know, but it's like the same how you want to piece together the clues and solve it. That's how I felt. I was like in the game clue. You're bringing it back to murder again. (laughs) Well, yeah. You were Colonel Mustard because you have the yellow suit. And I was like, who's the Scarlet? I liked Scarlet. She was red. The cute lady. You were Benson. I don't know. You were Rizzoli. I was Isles. (laughs) (laughs) We never watched the show, but thought it had a funny name. (laughs) The two most famous detectives or (laughs) medical examiners or police officers. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they were. And I know that I said that that was like my number one activity in 2017. It was because that whole night was so much fun. You know, we had the escape room, the dinner, and then John bombshell surprised me. Well, yeah, the context for this is just by coincidence, the night that worked out for all of our friends to do this escape room was the day before your birthday. Right. We did the escape room. We went out to dinner. We all were like full of energy and excitement and dinner ended. And I was like, okay, I guess we'll just go relieve the babysitters and go home. And then the car stopped in front of this amazing hotel downtown that I love. And it's, oh, it's actually, you guys have a reference point for this hotel. It's the one that has the pink cup that we chose the color of the beach house based on the cup. It's called Quirk Hotel. It's um, like a cool city hotel. It's a boutique. Yeah, it's getting like lots of international and national press because it's just really well done. And we're proud of it because it's Richmond's. And so when people come to the city to stay and visit, we always say like, you should stay at Quirk. It's really fun. John's sister stayed there. Like we all know people who've stayed there, but we've never stayed there ourselves until the car pulled over. And I like my brain couldn't compute. I was like, is he going to suggest we just go to the rooftop and get like a snack and a drink? And then he was like, we're staying here. And then I feel like I asked like 15 questions. Like, what about the babysitter? What about this? What about that? I was like, I got it all taken care of. I was like, what about our clothes? He's like, I packed a bag. It's hidden under my jacket. Like it was like reveal after reveal. And after the escape room where I thought I was like a regular Sherlock Holmes, I was quickly brought down to the reality that I'm really terrible at figuring things out because there were all these like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Yes, I was able to rely on the fact that Sherry does not have great directional awareness. especially at night necessarily. So I was able to drive to this hotel and not our house and she did not catch on the entire time. Well, I was still like buzzing from escaping and we're still talking about that. I was looking over at John and I wasn't like staring out the window like, why are we downtown? And then when we pulled over, I was like, what? I said, these are our accommodations for the night, lady. It was really fun. We had a really pretty room. John told me as soon as we got there, he already had us brunch reservations for the next morning. So it was fun to like sleep in and not worry about the kids and have like, it felt like very luxurious. It was full of ideas. Even for the beach house, I was staring at things like, well, if they work in a hotel for lots of people, that means they stand up to wear. Sherry and I are constantly doing research for the beach house. I know. Even vacations on your birthday and surprise hotel visits turn into like, I wonder what type of flooring this is. Right, exactly. (laughs) Maybe that makes more sense. It's not like John took me down to like this brown Let's go stay at the La Quinta. Yeah, exactly. It was really fun to stay there because it feels like you're inside of this decorating magazine with lots of style. So it's a super fun birthday. And we'll make sure in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, there's links to all these things, the escape room, the hotel, some of the pictures. Well, okay, maybe I do have one more surprise for you though. It's a game. I was going to say, is this a game? Okay, you're not that surprised. I've figured out the format of this podcast. (laughs) A regular Rizzoli over there. Thank you, Isles. So here's the part of the show where I quiz Sherry. I'm going to give her a list of things in a category. 
all are real except for one, which I've made up. And her job is just to tell me what's real and what's not. And your category this week comes from Realtor.com. Okay. You're familiar with Realtors. I am. I've sold a few houses in my day. Not as a Realtor. Nope. Well, as an owner, for sale by owner, I know a little something. No, but you don't get the capital R register mark Realtor officialness. But Realtor.com posted a list recently of seven living room design looks that buyers hate. Ooh, I like this. I have pulled out five of them. One of them is fake, though. Let me guess. Dark, no light, cluttered, too much furniture. This is not how the game works. I know, but they're going to be in there. Okay, go for it. Okay, number one on the list of living room design looks that buyers hate. No place for the TV. That's a smart thing to notice. I feel like some people miss that and then they move in and they're grouching about how there really was no place for the TV. I believe that though. Number two, cowhide rugs. What? That's confusing because they're very in right now, especially light colored ones. I mean, I guess if they're talking about a really dark one with black leather furniture and they're saying it's like too man cave-ish. Number three, dark saturated walls. That's in there. It's real. Number four, small baseboards. I mean, people like thick baseboards and a lot of molding, but I don't know if a realtor would say shame on you. And last one, outdated furniture. Okay. I think it's either small baseboards. What was number one? No place for the TV. I think you made up no place for the TV. You're right. Yes! Because I was thinking, that's almost like too much to notice. Like, the buyer doesn't notice that until they move in, and then they're like, oh, crap. Or if they're, like, at the inspection, it's not usually the first walkthrough. Well, the reason I added that as the fake one to the list is one of them on their list was buyers hate a TV over a fireplace. Yeah, I've heard that's polarizing. Some people like it, and some people don't. The article said, no matter how you feel about it personally... You should take it down if you're selling your house because when people are looking at a room, they don't want to see that as the focal point when you have this really pretty fireplace. I completely agree. Put a mirror or a piece of art or something over it. It will sell faster than the big honking black hole over the fireplace. I just thought that was interesting because me, I think sometimes I would look at a space and be like, but I wouldn't know where I'm going to put my TV. That's not a reason I wouldn't buy a house. Right. It's a good tip, I think, but it's not necessarily something you'd notice as much. You know, we have all watched House Hunters. All they notice is the paint colors. Right. And they said the reason why the dark saturated walls are usually a turnoff is because most buyers assume they're going to repaint. And when you see a really dark color, it just signals the buyer that it's going to take more work, you know, more coats, more time. Yeah. And the cowhide rugs was part of a larger item on the list that was called dead things. Oh, so like taxidermy, cowhide yeah. rugs, the animal trophies. Rug. Got it. They said a lot of that stuff is on trend, that kind of creepy, beautiful stuff. But to a lot of people, it is more creepy than beautiful. So maybe lay off of it if you're trying to sell your house. Cowhides might be like normalizing themselves because places like Ikea sell them. You know, they have like just sheepskins Well, and there's lots of faux ones too. Right. And yeah, we've had a faux one that looked so real people thought it was real. So I think that that's on a different level. To me, that's on the same level as a leather couch. That's why I threw it in there and I thought you might think that was the one I made up. But Yeah. No, it was too confusing. I felt like it had to be on there. Well, I'm going to put this full list up on the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Again, that seven living room design looks that buyers hate. Uh, So now we're going to have a call to Cassie from the blog High Sugar Plum. Yeah, she uses lots of bold colors. She is not afraid of design in any way. She mixes and matches patterns and prints. So I'm excited to pick her brain sort of about how not to be scared when you're decorating your home. How not to be a shrinking violet. Exactly. Hello? Y'all, I really am the biggest idiot. (laughs) Dude, Skype is hard. I mean, somebody asked me to do a podcast before, and honestly, the main reason I said no, because I was like, I don't even want to get into whatever that Skype business is you young kids are talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, John. 
Hello, how's it going? Good. It's been cool to watch you over the years because I feel like obviously your site has grown and your audience has grown, but I have loved your aesthetic because I feel like it's very different. When others are doing all white walls, you're doing the brightest wallpaper you can find. Yes, yes. And I know it doesn't appeal to everybody, but I mean, I do. I have to just remind myself, this is our house and this is, you know, this is us. But, you know, you can fall into the trap, too, of making choices because, you know, it's going to be like this fab after. And sometimes I can fall victim to that. But for the most part, I mean, I just do stuff because I know that we're going to love it in our house. And I know a lot of people don't like it for themselves, but I think people can appreciate when you stay true to yourself also, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. Everyone has seen a certain aesthetic over and over and over again. And even if you wouldn't choose the bright everything for your own house, it is just so fun to watch yours evolve. And I think you kind of break a lot of you know, I say in quotes, design rules. But I love when you read an article and it'll say like, if you have pattern on the curtains, do a soft wall color. Or if you have a bright rug, let everything else fall back. And then I look at your room and I'm like, you have pattern on the walls. You have a bold color on the curtain. You have pattern on the floor. You have, you know, mixed and matched chairs. There are so many moments where you make a statement, but it it all goes together even though it doesn't look matchy. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Sometimes I walk in there, I'm like, what have I done? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you have a little, maybe your eyes have to adjust or take us through after you do a big makeover and a room that used to be very neutral or sort of like basic looking gets cassified. It's all bold. The panic usually sets in just before it all starts to come together. And I think, okay, wait, what have I done? Because I did choose the boldest wallpaper and mustard yellow curtains and mismatched chairs. And I start to think, is this going to be a clown car? Um, And I have a teenager in the house too. And so he will see things coming in in stages and, you know, like you envision a room a certain way, but it has, it obviously comes together in steps. But, you know, for instance, like the wallpaper went up first, but so we still had gray walls and no curtains and old rug and old, all this other stuff. And so my son is giving me the stink eye and he's like, what's happening? And I'm like, trust me, stay with me. There's a vision. It's going somewhere. And with each step, he would question it even more. And then it kind of crosses a hurdle and he's like, oh, I see. Yeah, no, I like it. And every now and then I'll think maybe I want to tone things down or I'll want to go neutral because I mean, I love an all white room. But whenever I start with one, it just starts creeping into more and more color and pattern. So I, I, you know, I have to just stay true, I guess, to what makes my heart race. It's so interesting to hear you say all that because I feel like you go on the same path. I think a lot of us do and us like your relationship between like a neutral or like a colorful, bold space is complicated, especially when you're starting out and trying to figure your style. And I think we've ended up at least for now, in a space where we have um, less color than we've had in other spaces, you know, where we have a lot of neutral walls and we're choosing our sort of hits of color and pattern more subtly, I guess. Except for our big crazy rugs. Except for our big (laughs) crazy rugs, I guess. Uh, And art. I think we always go for colorful art most of the time and crazy rugs most of the time. Well, because, you know, those are like kind of investment pieces. And so they're the ones that make your heart race, you know, and if you're going to if you're going to make that big purchase, then you want the ones that just bring you so much joy, you know? Right. I think there's also like a discovery in those two pieces, at least the way we've shopped for the big crazy rugs. They're one of a kind old rugs from this local guy and picture stacks of rugs as high as 18 feet tall. I mean, like two stories high. There's there's a staircase on wheels that you roll up to stand above them and look down. And then it takes two men to flip them. So the stack gets flipped and flipped and flipped to see the rugs. And it's like the coolest treasure hunt. And you're right. It's the your heartbeats 
it's faster and you have this weirdly emotional reaction to an inanimate object. I feel like you did that with the rug in your, do you call that your sitting room? Oh, the parlor. The Paula. Paula. No, we call it the living room or formal living, I guess. I don't know. The blue room is usually what everybody in the house calls it. It's so funny because you know that big piece of art you hung in front of the bookcases? Yeah. I got that vibe. I mean, I know I was just reading your words on the internet, but I got that excited vibe from you that it was like this discovery and when you found it, you couldn't believe it was going to be in your house and it was sort of like, would you call that the jumping off point or did that come along a little later? I always knew we would have a big statement piece there. And initially I had found a piece from Minted, but stumbled on this artist and I just fell for her. And I'd never had a reaction with art before. I mean, I'd liked it and appreciated it and kind of was like, I don't know how to pick it. I guess you just pick what you like. But I had a physical reaction when I saw her stuff and I shared the mood board of the room. And she basically created that piece with that color palette and it was pretty much the showpiece of the room and she's since like blown up and that's her biggest piece because I guess lots of people had that reaction too. That's so cool. So that's kind of gotten me going now in another realm of looking for artists and looking for art that creates that feeling when you look at it and they are investments. So they're pieces that you want to keep forever and that you want to give your kids. You know, they're not taking my old Ikea dresser. That thing's going to be on its last leg, (laughs) but art will live forever. This is interesting. We did not outline that this was going to be a conversation about art and rugs, but now I'm like, I feel like those are tough things for people, right? And I think we, John and I, and you have sort of landed in this place where we feel very um, secure and confident in choosing those and probably both can remember a time when we didn't. I looked at art as an element that wasn't emotional. It was much more like, does it have the colors I need? Is it the size I need? And I think lately we've really been looking for that emotional reaction or maybe the colors don't match anything in the room, but that's cool and that's how the art stands out. And It connects you to a memory. Yeah. Well, and you asked me too earlier about putting these rooms together and if you start to get, you know, like overwhelmed or, oh my gosh, this is too much and now maybe I want to go more neutral. And some, I think the problem with that is because like you guys, we buy houses that need some love. (laughs) They need updating. And so here you have, you know, two or three rooms that are looking really, really good. And then you have the rest of the house that don't represent you at all. And so the transition from room to room is shocking. You know, I've got one room that's like all neutral Nelly because that's what it was when we moved in. And then I have the blue room, which reflects me. So those things are kind of odd, but you know, the blog world doesn't really see that because I don't do whole home tours, but I would say that part gets a little tricky because when people come over, you want to go, just look at this. Don't look over there. You know? Right, 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 right. Stand in view from this angle. Only. Yeah. <laughs> We're fortunate enough too that we've been able to change houses or when you can move. So, you know, you said you've gone more neutral this time. You know, my last house, I had a very dark kitchen. I was all into moody. And this, this time around, I was like, nope, don't want to do that. Been there, done that. And so I want to do something different. So, you know, I think you learn your lessons too with houses. It's harder to start over with the house you're already in. But when you move on to a new one, you're like, okay, this time, this is what I want to do. I wonder if we think about someone out there who is still untangling their relationship with color and pattern and figuring out if they're this bold, bright person in their home or if they're more neutral or subdued. Maybe you could offer some advice as how they might pin that down or navigate it or, you know, what were cues to you that you wanted to head in this direction in your house? I think there's two things that you can look towards. I mean, obviously, Pinterest is a huge one. So I always just encourage people just to just pin to their heart's content. 
not necessarily like dining rooms for dining room and kitchen for kitchens, but just the images that speak to you that make your heart, you know, beat a little bit faster. Just start pinning all of them into one big board and then go back and look and figure out what's the reoccurring theme. Is it neutrals? Is it white walls? Is it pops of color? Is it no pattern solids? You know, I mean, what is it? You will start to see something that reappears. And you may think that you love all white walls, but you've pinned 80% jewel tones or something. And I think that is a really good start. Um, another place to look is in your closet, because while some people might be nervous to make big decisions in their home because they feel like investments, your wardrobe is a little bit different because those purchases are a little more expendable just because they're not as expensive as, say, a rug, you know, a shirt versus a rug, obviously. And so you can look at how you dress and the combinations that you put together in your clothes. And that kind of gives you an idea of where you feel your happiest, where you feel most comfortable. We always kind of laugh at that idea because Sherry basically wears all black. <laughs> all black, everything. I know it. I know that black blazer. I was like, so thank goodness funny. we don't take her inspiration too literally in our house. Yeah, I mean, my aunt's house is as colorful as it can be. And the woman doesn't wear anything but gray, black, or white. And me, I mean, you've seen, I'm going to wear like the gingham with the fair isle. And then I'm going to throw a herringbone vest over it. And then I'm going to put purple boots or whatever. And that's exactly what my dining room looks like. So sometimes it can tell you, like, I didn't even realize that I didn't like red. I mean, I thought I like red just fine until I had to do something or I needed something. And I literally did not have a single red item of clothing in my closet, which made me start looking around my house. And I thought, I don't have a single piece of red in my whole house. So obviously, I had this aversion to red that I wasn't even aware of. That is so funny. I wonder if red is harder to mix because you put so many things together. Maybe red is too demanding to like layer in. Well, it's also, it's it's either too orange, too yellow, too muddy, too brown. Maybe it's just kind of tricky. Right. And clothes are just like designing your house. I mean, it's not, we're not doing brain surgery. We're just picking out paint and stuff. So everything can be undone. It can be redone. It can be returned. It's not be all end all. You can backtrack. You, we all make mistakes. I can't tell you how many tables I brought into my breakfast room because it just none of them were working much to my husband's chagrin when we loaded it back in the SUV and hauled it back but you know sometimes it takes a few times and that's okay yeah if there's someone out there who is sort of pushing themselves to incorporate more color and pattern and be maybe bolder you know beyond their normal comfort zone are there any tips or tricks or guidelines that you use for adding things in and layering and what maybe the cues are when it's gone too far um, I say definitely work in layers and take baby steps. So, and I do as much color as I have in my house and around. If you look at the core pieces, um, my sectional, I have a charcoal gray one and I have a light gray one. You know, our headboard is ivory. So the core pieces are neutral. Now, some people may think that neutral is just beige, but you can be just as neutral with grays and blues and those kinds of colors too. So my base pieces are fairly neutral. Um, and then I will start in layers from there. And you can make small investments like the pillows or the throw and bring those in to see how you're liking it before you make bigger investments with the rug. Because you may decide... I like to change throw pillows three times a year, in which case I need a neutral rug that allows me to do that. Um, I know not everybody has the, the tools, but seeing things in a mood board, even if it's just a crude creation of your own, like a collage, really helps see things more big picture. 
Um, when I was working on the living room, the, the blue room, I was working with a friend of mine, Kristen Jackson, and she was the one that was encouraging me to go with the purple rug. And I was saying, purple, you've lost your mind. That's way over the top. And so we would mood board all the elements that we already knew were in place with five different rugs. And it was beyond obvious that purple was the right rug. It was the only one that completed it and made the statement. So, you know, seeing things visually in a mood board too are really helpful. And then you can decide which pieces are the most important to you where you want to make your statements. I love the collage tip. One of my tips, I I don't know that I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but in person when people ask me, I've realized there's an app called um, Pick Stitch and it's free and it makes little grids. And so sometimes I tell people, look, screen grab on your phone accessories that you like. You know, go to Ikea and get the sofa and get the uh, some art that you love on Etsy. And if you screenshot them all and put them into pick stitch, it makes a little baby grid for you on your phone. And as silly as that is, you can switch out the images. You can literally like change out the couch in the grid and change out the art in the grid. So people without Photoshop or, you know, like Ole or some sort of mood board making software, it's like hacking an app meant for like people making grids of photos. I mean, I've done it in PicMonkey with just using a collage. I've done it in Polyvore. I mean, anything you can do to visually bring all your elements together so you can see them big picture, see them as one image, is going to really help. Cassie, thank you for taking time to talk with us today. It's always nice to catch up. Yeah, see you guys later. Bye. Bye. So if you guys want to see some of the rooms that we talked about with Cassie, we'll put links to them in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, as well as links to her blog, High Sugar Plum, and all of her social channels so you guys can check her out. And next up, we're seriously digging some things, but first we have to take a quick break. This week's episode is brought to you by Thomas Avenue Ceramics, an online tile store that gives DIYers easy access to expert advice and more diverse tile options delivered right to your door. And I know sometimes when you find a great deal online, you're kind of like, I've never been to this website before. I don't know if I can trust it or who's behind it. Especially with something like tile, where you might want to double check that what you're buying will work for your floor or wet zone or whatever. So that's why I kind of grilled Justin Malloy, one of the Thomas Avenue co-founders. What's the difference between porcelain tile and ceramic tile? Porcelain tile is a much harder material than ceramic. Porcelain is more like a stone as, as opposed to ceramic, which is just pressed clay. Porcelain has a completely different firing technique, which means it's more durable. The Mohs scale is much higher than... Say, Do you say a, something like the Mohs scale? Yeah, Mohs scale is a rating of hardness, and the harder the material is, yeah, essentially the more abuse it can take. I mean, that's really technical. Well, it proves you know your stuff. You can get your tile questions answered and browse tons of options for your floor, wall, or backsplash at thomasavenueceramics.com slash YHL and even order 99 cent samples before you buy. They've also got a live chat that Justin often mans himself. Plus, you can get 20% off your next tile order with the discount code YHL20. Okay, just a warning, folks, this week that my digging is kind of like very meta. With that warning, proceed. Well, music first. So for my word digging this week, I want to point you guys in the direction of a Facebook page that I follow called The Buzz Digger. Which sounds like BuzzFeed plus we're digging. No, so The Buzz Digger is for anyone who is a fan of things like we're digging, this section that you're listening to right now. It is basically a Facebook version of that to some degree. It's just this feed in which people share a bunch of cool new gadgety tool type things that are mostly in the home DIY kitchen tool category. So all the sorts of things that we talk about. It has kind of a little bit of a Shark Tank slash as seen on TV vibe to them. Like some of the products that come across the feed are kind of like 
you know, who needs that type thing. Right, they're like over-engineered where you're like, I can just put my paintbrush in the paint myself. Right. (laughs) One of them recently was a thing called the Chillomatic. And it was this special box that you would put like a can, like a soda can or a beer can in with a couple of ice cubes. And it spins it for 60 seconds and makes it cold. Which you're kind of like... I have a freezer. Thank you. I was like, I don't know if I want an extra machine around that takes a minute to make something cold when I could just pour it in a cup with ice. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I was thinking about the freezer, but pouring it into a cup with ice is even faster. So it has a lot of those things around. So they're they're kind of funny. It's entertaining, but there are occasionally useful things on it as well. Like remember that spider catcher thing that went around the internet for a while? Oh yeah, it looked like um like whiskers, like plastic whiskers or like a broom but splayed out. Like a toilet brush that moved. Yeah, it was. It was like a clear bristles of a toilet brush, but on the end you could I guess clasp them closed and it would like gently grab a spider without killing it and allow you to release it into the wild. I like that it's like gentle release. I'm a fan of putting the insects back outside, not killing them. Sherry's digging humane release of insects. That's right, I am. No, but there are actually really interesting things that I have been very tempted to buy. I will say I have not made any purchases through what I've seen on BuzzDigger yet. But for instance, there was this one thing called Paint To It Pro. The Mm. two is the number two. Of course. And it looks kind of like an upside down Frisbee. And (gasps) I've seen this one. You can turn it upside down and the paint doesn't spill. Yeah, you can pour a puddle of paint into this thing. Right. Like, you know that game as a kid where it has Velcro and it's like a Frisbee covered in Velcro and you put it in your hand and you throw a ball back and forth and it sticks to the Velcro in your hand? That is what this looks like. And you pour the paint into this Frisbee contraption. It doesn't have the Velcro. It just sort of looks like... I don't know. It has some special material in it that means you can tip it and even hold it upside down and the paint apparently does not drip out of it. It's amazing and I have no idea how it works. It's like witchcraft. Yeah, again, I have not tried it, but it has entertained me in my Facebook feed. So I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you need it. Again, it's called The Buzz Digger. It's on Facebook. And you'll have to forgive me if ever in a future episode I'm digging something that you've seen there because perhaps I will see something, buy it, dig it, and then talk to you about it again. Well, what I'm digging this week is something that has come up on the blog a lot of times, a surprising amount of times over it's the years. It's been a running topic slash joke. Right. Somewhere seven or eight years ago, I mentioned offhandedly that I had one bra. I don't remember in what context or why. I think it was your annual bra update post. It probably was, where I talk all about my undergarments. No, but what I'm digging this week is a fantastic bra. And I am pleased to tell you that it's so great. I have two. (laughs) We can stop talking about the one bra thing. I'm in my mid-30s now, a grown woman with two bras. (laughs) <laughs> you've you've officially reached adulthood. Congratulations. It really is. I, I'm maturing before your very ears. The reason I love this is it's kind of one of those things that's turning an industry on its head. It's called Third Love, and they're a mail order, like a box that arrives with a bra. Their big claim is that bras shouldn't be uncomfortable, which I agree with, but they're also very hard to get a good fit. So this is sort of a struggle we've all been having. I think Oprah mentioned it like 10 years ago. All of us. It's a struggle. Well, to get something that doesn't dig in and isn't annoying and uncomfortable. Preach. (laughs) But also, not a million dollars. And also, it's your comfort level. Like, do you want to go into a room with a lady who's like measuring you and... Nope. (laughs) Right? You don't, right? Am I right, girls? (laughs) You just don't. This service, it's come up a lot lately. I think it's gaining in popularity. And a friend of mine actually recommended it to me. I probably never would have tried it if I hadn't heard from someone firsthand who I know and trust. You know, like if it came up in my Facebook feed, I wouldn't be inspired to try it. But knowing an actual person who tried it and liked it and is sort of similar in build and height to me. What if it was on Buzz Digger? Nope. <laughs> that would probably turn me off. And it catches spiders. <laughs> But anyway, knowing that it is something that a real human being that I know and trust had tried inspired me to try it. And there's no risk because you can just ship it back and get all the money back on your card if you don't like it. I think their most popular, most general one was just like called the t-shirt fit or the t-shirt bra. 
and I hated it. And I sent it back and I got my money back. And then I was like, that stunk. I didn't like it at all. It just didn't, it didn't have enough coverage, if that makes sense. When I wear a t-shirt, I want to look like I'm wearing a bra. You guys should see the hand motions in here. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of semicircles around the chest area. And then I stopped thinking about it. And like a month later, a different friend told me, oh, no, 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 you tried the t-shirt one. That's not the one I like. I like the push-up bra. And I'll admit, I was like, no, because that sounds like a Victoria's Secret. And I was like, yes. (laughs) But I just was like, nope. But she was like, look, I'm wearing it right now. Does it look like I'm wearing a push-up bra? And I was like, no, it just looks very normal. And she's like, and it's so comfortable, you can hardly feel it, blah, blah, blah. So long story short, I tried it. Again, no risk to me. I could send it back like the first one if I didn't like it. And I loved it. So I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. And even though the name will turn you off and you will say, I'm not a push-up girl, it does not have weird pads or weird shaping. It's just what they call a t-shirt bra. It's sort of a flimsy fabric. And this has more coverage and support. And it's it's not inexpensive. I feel like it was maybe $58. You're looking at me like I know. It's a lot. Is that a lot? I mean, I feel like you can get them at Target for 25 Okay. But for something well-made that fits, that feels good, that looks good under a t-shirt, it checks all the boxes, and I mean, really fits. It does not feel tight. It does not feel like the straps are in the wrong place. And it's pretty. It has pretty straps, which, you know, comes in handy when your shirt like slides off and you see, see the little strap. Mm-hmm. It has like a decorative detail. This is the most important part to me. <laughs> Anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes. I know that was a weird tangent, but I really like it. So if you're looking for a bra, boom, I solved it. Thanks for listening to Young House Love has a podcast and two bras. And if you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend, family member, or everyone in your escape room. And we'd also really appreciate a rating or review on iTunes. They're a big help in keeping this podcast going. And we love hearing what you do while you listen. Like Kelly Joe, who listened while bottling jar after jar of kimchi as she trains to be a chef. Hashtag so much cabbage. And head over to younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode, like some of Cassie's colorful room makeovers. And shots of the hotel where we stayed for my birthday. Later. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. (laughs) And they're a mail order, like a box that arrives with a bra. Now, I have heard about this on probably another podcast or that bra blog I read. All about bras. Dot com. (laughs) Quick, buy the URL. (laughs) Probably already taken.